Welcome to Igniting Your Faith. Today, Pastor Fisher reminds us to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, who is the only true answer and love for all of us. We encourage you to thoughtfully and prayerfully let God's love make an impact in your life. Now here is Dr. Chris Fisher with today's message of powerful truth from God's Word. Get myself mic'd up here. Thank you, Nancy, for that reading. And Mike and Joanne, thank you for leading us in worship today with Brian and Joanne. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my heart's been a little heavy this morning. A, a dear family friend's lost their twenty-year-old son at the end of this last week, and uh, we're we're in grief with them about that. That's the Ransel family. I ask you to remember them in your prayers. And, um, you know, that's a, a, a tragedy of just incomprehensible size. Um, it's impossible to get our, my head around, and I'm not the parent in this situation. But um, so please pray for me as I bring the word here this morning. Um, I think I have a good word, but I need God's help to bring it. So let's bow in prayer together. Lord. Thank you that you are good and you're with us, that you love us. You've given the irrefutable proof of that by coming into the world to die, to die, Lord, to take death on yourself. Lord, thank you that you came here to redeem us, to give us a hope and a future. Lord, to give us pure air to breathe, your presence to restore us to you. Lord, help us in our lostness and brokenness and make us found, make us be healed. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds to your word this morning. Lord, that you open up our minds and spirits to the good things you have for us. The good things you want to share through us with others. Lord, we thank you for our faith, our hope, our love in you. And may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts this morning be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're continuing in Ephesians 4, and the sermon title this morning is Fulfilling Your Call. This is not just about those with a special call to set aside ministry like pastoring or teaching. It's about fulfilling your call to serve the Lord by using the gifts He's given you faithfully, using them to serve the body of Christ. So I'm just going to state that right up front. And I'm not going to, I'm going to try to not hold back any punches, so get ready to rope it up here. Um, this Ephesians 4 list is a set of gifts that God has given to build up the church. And these are the people gifts in verse 7 to 12. I talked about them last week. And this, this morning I want to just follow this, this letter and investigate these people gifts in more detail. To each one, it says in verse 7 and on, that grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. 
This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then there's a little parenthetical statement there about Jesus having the one who ascended, having first descended from heaven to become one of us. It's reference to the incarnation. But then Paul continues his thought here, so Christ himself gave. So here, the previous verse, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Christ himself gave. And now here are some of the gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. We looked at these verses last week, but today we're going to dive into the people gifts in more detail. This is not the only list, so there's two other lists we're going to look at this morning because they're closely related to this. But this list focuses on five key leadership gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They are foundational for building up the church. Their purpose to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ can be built up. Think of them like this. If God, when he first made the human race, made us to be family, right? He made the first man and woman. He put them together. He said, be fruitful and multiply. They had children. You know, the fall, if the fall hadn't interrupted, those children would have just kept multiplying out. They would have gotten married. They would have had children. And, and actually, it's worked out like that way, even alienated from God. We kind of have an ideal of family we'd like to be in, or, or even if that's a broken ideal, when we see it in others, we admire it. God made us to be in family. And not just any family, right? It's a family with a structure of a mother and a father. That's how he built us. You don't come into the world without both. And he really intended in, in God's ideal will that each of us have a loving father and a loving mother. Amen. That's right. We need them. Each is different in what they give us as we grow up. And when we don't have one of those pieces, it hurts. You know? Now, the reality is that nobody has a perfect family. Ever since that fall, when Adam and Eve got separated from God, our uh, archetypal ancestors, we're all like them. Separated from God, we're all broken and a mess. We're victims of victims, right? Our parents were sinners, right? They hurt us sometimes, right? But guess what? Their parents were sinners and hurt them sometimes. And their parents. And so on all the way back. You know, so... We have this situation in the human race where we were made for family, but in the context of family, it's sometimes the place where we get hurt the most. And no human family is quite what God ever originally intended it to be. Now, in comes Jesus. Jesus comes in to start a new family. This is why one of his titles, and this is always a mystery for me, Hard for me to get my head around, I'll confess it to you, where in Isaiah it says one of his titles is Everlasting Father. Right? But if you think about it, because we do have a Heavenly Father, Jesus' Father, and how is Jesus called Everlasting Father himself? Well, but, but the truth is, he has a bride, right? And the church is his bride, and he intends his bride to have children in the Spirit. The new people will keep coming to salvation through him through the church. 
right? Okay? So, I'm not going to press that further except to say that he has started a new family. And there are these five people gifts that Paul lists in Ephesians chapter 4, they're very much like parent gifts for the family. The apostles, foundational. You don't get the real church or the real gospel unless you're teaching the apostles' teaching. You know, that's why it's foundational. That's why their names are written on the, the, the foundations of the city of God. Jesus himself is the cornerstone. You know, you can have the other gifts. You can have a so-called prophet. You can have an evangelist who's trying to win people to join the church. You can have a, a shepherd and teachers teaching doctrine. But if they're not teaching, the apostles teaching, if they're not shepherding according to the word of the Lord, Jesus revealed through his secretaries and eyewitnesses, the apostles, you don't have the church. You have an imitation of the church. You have a cult. You have something that's less than the church. Even if they borrow pieces of the teaching and then they mix it up with other stuff, you don't get a healthy whole church. So these five gifts are like the parents of the church, the prophets or the people who are supposed to be preaching, speaking the Word of God as God gives it. And at the time Paul wrote this letter, there was no New Testament. It was just the Old Testament and the preaching of the apostles. And so the prophets had a role, not only the Old Testament prophets, but prophets inside the church who would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to preach the Word of God, to declare it. Sometimes that was a foretelling word, like the prophet Agabus, who got a, a word from God that there was going to be a famine coming and they should get ready. Or when he was, it was revealed to him that Paul would be bound in chains when he got to Jerusalem and he warned Paul. You know, so sometimes God will tell the prophets what's coming. About this uh, revival in Asbury, listening to some of the commentary, and it's jumped to other colleges, uh, commentary by different Christian ministries. Uh, I heard one from a, a woman whose mother started an international intercessory prayer ministry, and she said, my mother had this vision of revival starting among the young people. Uh, another great awakening in our country. And she had it 20 years ago. And she told us about it. And her daughter had inherited that mantle from the Lord. And she said, I saw it too, that there was revival coming. Now, she saw some other things about um, our country that I'm, I'm going to hold for another time. They're quite interesting. But you can go look for, for that if you want. The point is the prophets helped build up the church by declaring the word of God it needs to hear in a timely way for what's going on right now in the midst of the church. You know, and ideally, any preaching that's done in the church is preaching that's prophetic. It's the word of God declared to the church as it's needed now. Now, I've been in many a church where I heard the preacher preach and God spoke to me through that message. Just what I needed to hear at the time. And that's one of the ways the Holy Spirit works. Right? The prophets being stirred up to preach what the people of God need to hear. Then you got the evangelists, whose duty it is to share the gospel, to help other people come to know who Jesus is and invite them to follow him, to trust them, to be able to explain what it is, defend what it is, help people grasp who Jesus is, 
help people make the step of faith. Although at the end of the day, each one of us has to make our own choice. Will we trust Jesus? We need people who will invite us, who, who, who will take the time to love us enough to tell us the truth about how we can be saved. You know, when John Wesley first sent preachers out into uh, England and sent them to America to do the work of evangelism, he said, tell people to flee from the wrath to come. And he, he meant that in earnest. Now, that's not language that our culture likes to hear much today. And yet, there's coming wrath on the world for sin. Now, I, I've heard that uh, some people accuse Paul of being um, expecting too much of us in our Christian life and announcing too many bad things about what's going to come. Uh, but the person in the Bible who has the most announcement about the bad things to come, can you guess who it is? It's Jesus. That's right. It's our Lord who knew He was going to go to the cross for a darn good reason. To pay for the horror of sin. But that there would be people who refused that gift of salvation and sin would multiply and magnify to the place where the earth would be given over to fire. Uh, and those who refuse to repent along with it. That's the mouth of Jesus. I mean, praise God for Paul, whom Jesus sent to explain the new covenant of God's grace, that we can be redeemed from that, that there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ, that our sins are forgiven, to take what Jesus in his earthly ministry said and show how in the Spirit now, after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, after his agony on our behalf, we could be redeemed and saved out of that fire and get in a different type of fire. Appreciate some, somewhere in that song you, or you said the fire not burning us up, but within us, right? That's okay. We heard it. We heard it. The pastors and teachers, think about that. People need a shepherd. They need somebody to help them. You know, the shape of pastoring in every Christian church is slightly different. You look at Methodist pastoring, it's a little different from Baptist pastoring. It's different from independent church pastoring. It's different from Catholic church priest pastoring or Greek Orthodox pastoring. But each one of those is supposed to serve as a shepherd and a teacher to help God's people be together, right? To help get people in the flock who are wandering off and to be there as their care, the one who cares about them on behalf of God, and to teach. You know, it talks about the church in Antioch. It says there were a bunch of good teachers in that church, and Paul and Barnabas were two of them. And that's how they cut their teeth in ministry, taking care of a church, teaching people there the Word of God, expounding the Scripture to them so they could understand it, and the Word of God doing its thing in those people, bringing back a harvest. And then gradually those men were prepared and ready eventually to be sent as missionaries to plant other churches. But they started as teachers. So each of these five roles is like a, a parenting role in the family of God because that's what the church is. The church is supposed to be the place where what we couldn't get in the world, because the world is full of sin and it's broken and it's hurting and it's lost, 
One of the traditions calls it the situation of being totally depraved. That that's the normal state of the human heart. And how can we expect any family or person or culture out there separated from God to look the way God originally intended it to look? But now in the church, that begins to be reversed. The church is the family of God where God has called us and put us together with each other to be family. To be the family that we maybe didn't really get when we were young, or maybe we got it, but we couldn't really receive it for whatever reason. Or maybe we received it, but imperfectly. But here's the reality. Your biological family only lasts as long as this world, however good it was or is. But the family God puts you in when you become a believer in Jesus is a forever family. You know, that's why it's so important that we learn to love each other now in this world, in this family, because we're going to have each other forever. Okay? So this is like the proving ground, the training ground to start to get it right now. Now, of course, I get it when we get to heaven, all the imperfections and the incrustations and the, the, um, the less than love that's in us will be gone. And we'll know God as He is perfectly when we get to heaven. We'll know each other as we are perfectly. There won't be any hindrances or impedances. But this is also the reality that God wants that thing to be happening among us now. And that's a lot about what this letter is dealing with. It's helping this church in Ephesians to learn to love each other better. To learn to be family together better. And it's an ongoing work. It's an ongoing work for each of us. And each of us has a part. Now, I'm going to turn with that to 1 Corinthians 12 for the second list of people gifts. And it says in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, a prophet, uh, apostles. Okay, so this is, you'll hear similar things to what we just heard in Ephesians 4. First of all, apostles, second, prophets, then third, teachers, then workers of miracles, then those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. He's just finished in the first part of that chapter talking about supernatural gifting. And, and that's a whole other teaching. I'm not going to deal with that today. What I'm looking at is the people gifts, who you are as a gift to the body. Now, there's no more apostles in that first original sense. There's nobody else who's writing as an eyewitness and secretary for Jesus for his earthly ministry. The twelve's work there is done. But there are church planters, right, who keep on spreading the gospel and planting churches. That's apostles with a small a. Patrick was an apostle to, the, to Ireland, planting the gospel there for the first time. You know, Columba up in Scotland, first-time planter of the gospel, and so on around the world. Prophets, teachers, workers of miracles. You know, we kind of probably just want to skip over that one, but the truth is that miracle working is supposed to be the normal thing that accompanies the gospel. 
You know, how sad that our culture has fallen so far from believing in the supernatural realm and the power of God and the invisible realm and God's ability, His almighty ability that threw the universe into being to work miracles among us now. And not just as an occasional thing, but as a regular thing because He wants to show His love to us. That's one of the things I heard at Asbury. He said, one of the, the speakers said, for too long the church has acted like miracles were only there to prove the truth of God's gospel. And yes, they do function to confirm the truth of the gospel. Whenever I pick up missionary magazines from other places in the world and they're describing the way the gospel is spreading in the rest of the world, there are miracles that accompany it. Supernatural, mind-bending interferences and interventions in reality, such as the raising of the dead, the healing of people who are blind, the healing of cripples, and so on and so forth. These are happening today around the world. Miracle workers are doing their work. But here's the reality. It's not just that God's doing that to prove the truth of the gospel. He's doing it because he loves people. And he wants them to be healed. Uh, we heard this in, a, we're watching a little video series downstairs with Francis McNutt, who wrote the book on healing we read several years ago in our small group ministry. And he said this. In fact, he said it at Asbury, which is maybe where I got it. <laughs> uh, he, he said this, that it, the, the truth is that God loves us, and that's why he wants to heal us. Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes we are healed. And we are supposed to be living into the truth of that. So the ministry of miracles and the ministry of healing are supposed to continue to be gifts in the body of Christ to build us up and encourage us, to help us in our weakness. And it's not just physical healing we need. We need healing of the heart. We need healing of the spirit. We need healing of our minds. We need healing of our emotions. And Jesus, by dying in our place, releasing the love of God to be poured out onto a world in rebellion against God that hated God and rejected Him. And God said, I love you anyway, and I'm going to come in here to save you. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to become people of love the way He is, to be set free, including in our families of origin. Now, we heard a, a sad story that turned into a beautiful story of a girl who at an early age heard her father and mother arguing. And she was about three. And as they were arguing, she heard her father in a fit of rage shout at her mother, I'm going to kill you in front of our daughter. That's how enraged he was. And she said, telling the story as a 20-something young lady, when I heard that, I was filled with terror. And I hid behind the couch. And they couldn't get me to come out for a long time. I just was so scared. I was terrified. And I was stuck there. And finally, when they pulled the couch away and dragged me out, the spirit of fear stayed on me. And it haunted me and hung on me my whole life. So that everything I did, I went into, I was afraid. I shrunk back. I was terrified. I was broken and hurting in within. And then she related how finally in some context, she, Jesus was invited to come into that situation as a three-year-old. 
And she saw him in her mind's eye come in and stand between her and her parents and pick her up and hold her and say, you're okay. You don't have to be afraid anymore. And she let the fear go. And she was healed. And she stood in front of the mass of students as she was relating this to declare the wonders of God, to heal us today, even at the deepest places of our heart where we've been wounded in our biological family, in our relationships with people around us. This is what Jesus is doing in the new creation, in the kingdom that we have become part of by responding to his call to come and follow him, put our faith in him, to belong to a new family, the family of forever, with God as our Father. Praise the Lord. Amen. So these people gifts, they are indispensable. And there's one more gift in Romans, set of gifts in Romans 12 I want to read to you. Verses 3 to 7. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You belong to me. You hear that? I belong to you. Look at each other. You belong to me. I belong to you. You're like, what? Oh, boy. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> but it's the truth. We belong to each other. We're part of one body, one family of God, one church, the body of Christ. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, I want you to just hear those gifts and realize that if you are in Christ, at least one of those gifts has been given to you. And probably more than one. But at least one. And God has given it to you to bless the rest of the body. And the body needs you to give those gifts. You know, I've been so grateful when I've been down and discouraged and somebody in the congregation has come and encouraged me. Prayed for me. Lifted me up. Told me you're doing a great job. And, and I know I don't always do a great job. That I'm not the perfect pastor. There are places that I'm weak in my ministry and others where I'm stronger. And I play, try to play to my strengths. You know, and I, I think I know what some of my gifts are, and I also know where my not gifts are. Yeah, but listen, I'm not the only one gifted in the church. Every single one of you who's a member of the church, who's a member of the body of Christ, and even if Jesus is drawing you in to follow him, if that's part of where you're at in your faith walk, he's given you gifts, even if it's the gift of preliminary faith, the gift that he drew you here, the gift that he's working in you. 
And if you've given yourself to Him and God's Spirit has filled you, He's given you one of these people gifts or maybe more. You know, some of you have the gift of encouragement. Some of you have the gift of administration and leadership. You know, things that happen in a church, church require people to take leadership. If we're going to do a, 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 an effective alpha, whether it's here in, in, in March coming up or the one in the fall where we try to reach the community for Christ, we need administrators, leadership to help take the baton and lead the charge, captains in the fight. And we need people with all kinds of other gifts to help make that happen. Whatever ministry takes place, it's not supposed to be a solo effort. It's a team effort that we do and work together. And we need each other to make that team effort successful. So the body of Christ, which is what? The physical arms and legs and feet and mouth and heart of Jesus on the earth can be seen and bless the world. Because when the church does the, these things, when you, as its members, live in and fulfill your calling to use the gifts you have to build up the body, people are drawn to a built-up body. People are drawn to a body that's maturing in love and goodness and faithfulness that displays the love of Christ. When, when, when people are hurting and, and hungry for it. You know, that's one of the things sin sets people up for. The world may not think it needs God. It may be very happy to live in rebellion, to do things its own way, to thumb the nose even at the Almighty, or say, ah, He doesn't exist. I'm not going to worry about Him. But sin builds up and produces a harvest. And that harvest is ruin and death. And eventually, people wallowing in that get sick of it. And many have their eyes open when they're in the very pits of the pits and say, this is crummy. I'm going to go look for God. And when they find a place where God's love is present because the people of God are loving each other and using their gifts to bless each other and bless those outside, there they are drawn. So I want to ask you, what gifts has God given you? God's calling you to use them to bless others. What are you doing to use those gifts? Now, I heard this parable of the workers hired. And you heard Nancy read it. This image of the kingdom, of, of working and being faithful for the kingdom. And the master's hiring workers to go out into the vineyard and first at 9 a.m. in the morning, then at noon, then at 3 p.m., then even at 5 p.m. And the day probably ended at 6. So the 11th hour is what we would say in our modern terminology. You know, there are lots of truths in this parable. For instance, the master's generosity to pay the last hired workers as much as the first. But I want to focus on the timing of the call this morning with you throughout the day. What time of day is it for you? Is it nine in the morning? Nigel? <laughs> Gabby? Eva? Looking around for our kids. Kendall, Virginia? Wait a minute. Tell me your name, buddy. Braden. Did I get that right? 
I'm terrible with names, but if I, I'll get it eventually. The point is, it's 9 a.m. for some of us. But for some of us, it might be the 11th hour. We may think, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm too old to do anything else for the kingdom. I've heard this, by the way. This is an excuse. It's the 11th hour. I'm too old. What can I do? I have nothing else to give. Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that is not true. The Master is still calling people even at the 11th hour. And yes, the time is short before the Lord returns, but for some of us, the time is short before we're going to go meet Him. What are we going to do with that last hour of the day? If God has given you gifts to use, He did not mean for them to be hidden under a basket. The light of the world was not meant to be put in a cave so nobody could see it. He didn't put you as a lamp in Schuylkill County so that your switch could be off all the time. He gave you to be light now, even at the 11th hour. Light for each other and light through each other to a world that needs them. So, what are you going to do with your last hour or your last third of the day or your last half of the day? Make it count. Amen? Well, amen. Lord, you know that there's so much more I could say. That's the way the Word of God is. But there's hopefully another time to continue. Lord, we want to thank you for loving us so much. You're calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Calling us out of the flesh into the spirit. Calling us out of sin into freedom and righteousness. And purity, cleansing calling us out of despair and brokenness and pain into healing and hope and love. Calling us to be rooted and grounded in your love and agents of it to others. Lord Jesus, you know we can do nothing without you. We can't be who we're meant to be without you. We can do nothing without you. We ask for you, Lord, for more of you. Fill our hearts, Lord. Fill us with that fire of your Holy Spirit. Lord, bind us together. Heal us where we've been broken or alienated from each other. Help us to forgive each other and, and let go of those things that separate us from each other. Lord, stir up in us. Help us to become aware of the gifting you've given us to bless each other and to bless others outside the body that they may know of your love. Lord, grow us in love and maturity. Lord, make up in the weaknesses we each have by the strengths of others as they give them, as we share them with one another. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your awesome and wonderful love that you gave us to belong to you and through you to each other. And we look forward to the Lord. What you'll do through us as we faithfully put forward and exercise our gifts. Amen. I want to invite you to take a few minutes of quiet prayer now and just talk to God about what you're going to do at whatever hour of the day it is for you in your life and make a commitment to Him of how you're going to use what He's given you faithfully. So you can hear this at the end. Therefore, keep watch 
because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. It'll be good if you are. You can go find out what happens if you don't by reading the rest of that parable in Matthew 24. Now let's take time for prayer. And remember, we'll come to a God who's not terrifying and far off, but one who loves us. The fire is not out there. It's something he wants to give us in our hearts. To fill us with the fire of his love. To make us like him. To make us his agents of grace and goodness in the world. So let's just take some time for prayer and talk to him. Thank you for listening to Igniting Your Faith. Let God's Word empower your life with new growth that encourages everyone you meet. Igniting Your Faith is copyrighted and published by Dr. Chris Fisher and First Church, Schuylkill Haven, Pennsylvania. Special piano music played by Cindy McClelland. You can find more information about Dr. Chris Fisher this podcast and the church at our website, havenfirstumc.org. We hope you will join us again next week and let God ignite your faith.